0: Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. And participate Participating McDonald's for a limited time. Let's go ahead and go to the Body Works Plus guest hotline right now. Welcome former East Carolina head football coach Steve Logan here on Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Steve, thanks so much for the time. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. How are you guys
0: doing? Oh, no, we're doing well. We really appreciate the time. I want to reminisce on some of your coaching days in Greenville. <laughs> we'll get to that in just a moment. But I did want to focus on this upcoming team, Coach, because you talk about Mike Houston heading into his fifth year. He's done an excellent job the last couple of seasons. But this is truly the first year we'll see him have to reload on talent. Of course, you lose quarterback Ayler, some of the other skill positions there. Are you giving Houston the benefit of the doubt when you look at this roster and just how hard it is to reload and keep a winning program, even when some of your recruiting classes that hit all at the same time are out the door?
1: Well, I'll tell you that you touched on uh, the biggest deal about the whole conversation. It's the quarterback, it's the quarterback, it's the quarterback. And, uh, you know, I used to talk to, um, people, you know, during my time at East Carolina, I, I would tell them, you know, if, if you can, you can track the success, the dips and the lows and the highs and the lows, you can track all of that simply by pointing to the quarterback. And any anytime that I was breaking in a new quarterback, uh, let's say Jeff Blake, and trying to get him up and running in our system. We were a five and six football team, and then when they really, really got it and matured, and uh, you know, all of a sudden you're eleven and one. Well, Jeff Blake leaves, and here comes a young man named Mark Crandall, and of course he broke his leg, you know, his first year. But you know, his second year we he's seven and four, and then he matures and really begins to get it. And we're eight and three and nine and two or whatever it was. He leaves, and here comes a David Garrard. Well, guess what? We're six and five or five and six, something like that. And then it's uh, win eight, and then you know his senior year and junior senior year, we win nine. And you know it. You can track it. Right there, it is. And the rest of those pieces to the puzzle are somewhat manageable. They really are uh, in that, the way that I ran my program, I'm just speaking from, from my, you know, journey. Well, yeah, so go ahead. That, coach. Sorry. That's, that, that's what you're looking at with coach Houston. And, uh, you know, I've met Mike one time. I don't go back. I've been back to Greenville maybe once, maybe twice, um, in 20 years. So, uh, but I did meet Mike briefly and, uh, but from a distance and I'm not critiquing. I'm not, I'm not in the media anymore at all. I'm not analyzing games, any of that stuff. But from a distance, he looks like he's got the right idea how to handle East Carolina, which is a guerrilla warfare journey. It's not normal. It's not, you know, you're not a power five. You're not, you don't have a brand name. You, you know, it is a true guerrilla warfare endeavor. And he, when you look at his resume, every place he's been, you know, it's kind of a bootstrap deal. He starts out two and nine, five, six, and all of a sudden he's seven, four and eight and three, whatever. He's done that every place he's been. and, And he's kind of done that again at East Carolina. So if he gets a quarterback up and running pretty quick, they'll be pretty competitive pretty quick. It's kind of, to me, it's that kind of simple.
0: Well, and Coach, you talk about guerrilla warfare. That's kind of the <laughs> that's the language you describe trying to bring up this ECU football program. I, you went into some of the reasons. It, do you think it's a little different compared to the other group of five schools out there? Why do you describe it so much that way?
1: Well, I mean, um, how old are you guys? That's a quick question.
0: Um, Wes, Wes is the old man of the group. He's 40, <laughs> I'm 30, okay. and then our producer okay. is 26.
1: Okay, well, you guys don't know what transpired you you might be conscious of it but you don't really know what transpired in the 90s uh when i was head coaching at east carolina we had access to good football players in 1998 uh the powers that be came along and created a monster called the bcs the bowl championship series (laughs) which, which basically what that did it told all the recruits uh, here are the teams that are in the BCS, therefore they have a chance to win a national championship. Here's all the teams that are not in the BCS. Well, we were not in, allowed into that group, along with Southern Mississippi and teams that were really, really good back in the day. Okay, And so that began to delineate and separate recruiting. It layered the recruiting. And suddenly I didn't have access to the same players that I had had access to from 1989 up until 1998. And so that's when the, the big separation took place and the power five came to be And East Carolina has never been one of those, you know, programs. So the recruiting, your recruiting pool, you can just imagine what that did to the recruiting. It, you know, it just changed everything. And you don't have access to the same players. So, you know, that's why, you know, when I say even back then, it was guerrilla warfare from the standpoint of uh, I couldn't do anything normal. I had to really have a, uh, an incredible weight, strength, and conditioning program. I had to take players. You know, I could give you a hundred examples. I'll give you a name that won't mean anything to you. A young man named Lamont Burns from Winston-Salem High School. I went out, I drove out one night and watched Lamont Burns run down for a kickoff for his high school football team. That's all he did. He ran down for the kickoff. He made a tackle. He went back and sat on the bench for the rest of the game unless it was a kickoff. And after the game, I just went, I said, why are you not playing? I I, I talked to him right on the field. And he said, well, the coach and I have some, you know, he had some story. But Lamont was 6'5" and weighed about 215 pounds. Well, and he could run, really run. So I said, you know, he wasn't playing the game. But I gave him a full scholarship, brought him to East Carolina, put him in the weight room, shut the door, shoved food underneath the door to him for a year. We didn't even let him out. And suddenly he weighed 260. Okay, now he weighs 260. I brought him out as a redshirt freshman, put him at tight end. He couldn't catch a cold if he was naked in the Klondike. Well, he can't (laughs) play tight end. Okay, what can he play? Well, I don't know. Put him on D. Well, he couldn't really separate off of a block. All right, now he's a redshirt junior. All right, what are you going to do with this guy? Well, we finally put him at offensive guard. And Lamont Burns blocked everybody in front of him for the next two years and played three years for the New York Jets. And so, you know, that's what I'm talking about. You know, UNC wasn't going to take Lamont Burns. Neither was North Carolina State or South Carolina or Clemson or any of the people who we had to play, but I could develop him into somebody that could certainly go beat those guys with, you know, in the right moment, and we did. So that that's the guerrilla warfare I'm talking about. I mean, we took players. I didn't even care what position they played in high school. I just took them if I thought they were really good athletes and they were really bright young men that had a high motor. And we would bring them into the program, and the high school tight end became a linebacker. And the high school linebacker became a running back. And I had three three of the very best linebackers I had that I took down to Miami and beat the devil out of Miami with. All three of those linebackers <laughs> were 6'2", 240. All three of them were the high school fullback for their football team that nobody recruited. But they were absolutely fantastic collegiate linebackers. So, you know, that's the that's an active description of guerrilla warfare. That's, Coach, that's how you have to do it.
2: Coach, West Bryan here. And so I remember one recruiting victory that you did get, and I don't know if you uh, remember me that well, but I know you remember my quarterback, Paul Troth, and he and I came up there to East Carolina for a visit uh, <laughs> back in the day. So I definitely said that uh, I was going to mention that to you and see if you uh, remembered me or remembered us because I know you remembered my quarterback.
0: Yeah, Vance High School, offensive lineman, big kid, eventually (laughs) went to Florida. Do you remember Wes Bryant out of Vance High there, Coach?
1: I do remember that, and of course, and that's what I'm speaking to when Florida comes along. I'm not going to get that football player.
2: Yeah, Coach, you were right about that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And and you know what? If, If Florida had come along and that young man told me he wanted to come to East Carolina, I probably wouldn't take him because I think he was not very bright. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, man,
2: that was, that was point. cool. They, they asked me about you when we were talking about it, uh, planning the show, and I told them how I remembered meeting you on our recruiting visit up there uh, to East Carolina and coming up there to Greenville. So it is interesting, the recruiting battles that you talk about and some of the nuanced things that kids like, and it's a whole different uh, ball game there. And I'm glad that you spoke on just how tough it is to recruit with uh, so much competition. And now you add NIL and uh, all of these things into it. So one recruiting win that East Carolina was able to get was their quarterback, Mason Garcia, the 6'5", 242. And he was a four-star kid, so they were really able to get this guy, we talked about him yesterday, one of the highest-rated recruits to come to a group of five school ever. So what do you think about him and his potential and what he could do for East Carolina?
1: Well, uh, again, I, I he has he's been on the field so very 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 little that no one knows, and I would venture to say even uh, the coaching staff at East Carolina doesn't know what they're going to get until you go out and you know the live bullets are firing. You know you you played college football. You don't know what's going to happen until I mean practice is practice, games are games, and they're different. But uh, you know I don't know that they know what they've got on their hands. Um, Hopefully he'll develop and become what you just described. But we all know that, that can go a lot of different directions. I mean, I've had you know that star system was another guerrilla warfare deal. And I'll I'll educate you a little bit about the star system. Okay. Okay. Let's say uh, you're a three-star quarterback and you you've committed to East Carolina. All right. Well, that's that's a good deal. Here we go. And out of nowhere, suddenly uh, after your commitment, the recruiting process goes on, and now here comes Clemson, UNC, and um, Oklahoma, and they offer you. Do you know how the star system works now?
2: Yeah, you're going to get another star based off who's recruiting you because we had a cornerback on our team that was just like that, never had gotten any accolades up until his senior year, and then it's like, oh, they're recruiting you, they offered you, okay, we will too, and then it builds and builds. So go ahead and continue on.
1: Well, you just, you just defined and answered the presentation that I put forth. <laughs> a three-star three means nothing. A four-star means nothing. It, it doesn't speak to the talent level. It speaks to who's recruiting you. Now you could say, well, if they're recruiting him, he must be really good. Well, there's some truth in that, mm-hmm. but it's not always true. And, and again, I would go back, let's say, to Lamont Burns, who was no stars, but you, but he's, but you can develop it. You can develop, yeah. you know, players. And uh, so again, the star system was kind of a, a deal that. Um, I don't know. It it irritated me, to be honest with you. I didn't think it was fair to the player, but there were a lot of recruiting uh, magazines that made millions of dollars selling that stuff. I know that.
2: Yeah, Coach, so we'll get you out of here with this last question. Where, where do you see East Carolina today? We just talked about all of the recruiting uh, kind of things that are in front of them that could hinder them, and now, like I said, you had NIL and all of those things. Where do you see uh, the East Carolina program in the landscape of things today and still having to compete with the Carolinas, the NC States, and Clemsons?
1: Well, I mean, the NIL thing, now this, you know, it used to be a facility, arms race, right? You'd go to Florida and you saw, oh my God, they've got a, a, a dressing room and a weight room that's unbelievable and it's way better than East Carolina. Therefore, I want to go to Florida. Well, th- all of a sudden the NIL thing is changing because let's say you were coming out of high school right now. And let's say I was a coach from East Carolina and I said to you, hey, I'm going to give you a hundred thousand dollars a year come play for East Carolina and Florida said, we're going to give you $20,000. Well, you'd go, I don't care what the weight room looks like at East Carolina. I'm going to East Carolina. Yeah. So all of a sudden the NIL is going to trump the, uh, the, the facilities. But guess what? The bad news is East Carolina doesn't have a hundred thousand dollars and they're never, you know, they're not going to have, they're not going to, once again, they're not going to be able to compete in the NIL arena I mean, I saw something the other day. If you sign a national letter of intent with the University of Texas, and I'm not talking about starting, playing, becoming a starter. You get $50,000 straight up. Well, East Carolina can't do that. I don't know, you know, if North Carolina, North Carolina State, they could do it. I don't know if they are doing it. But there's going to be another giant separation, infiltrate the recruiting process when People are doing things like that. Ohio State University, I saw where they raised $20 million overnight for NIL. Well, East Carolina, you know, they can't raise $20 million. And there's a whole bunch of programs that cannot do that. So once again, you're going to get another layering effect to the recruiting process that's going to have all kinds of ramifications on the scoreboard. And you're going to end up with about, you know, 18, 20 schools you know, the usual suspects that will be able to withstand all of this.
0: That was former ECU coach Steve Logan teaching us about the game of football. Fantastic us Young stuff. Bucks here on Body Works Plus <laughs> guest hotline. Coach, we greatly appreciate your time. Thank you so much for hopping on with us and talking about ECU and the
2: state of college football. Thanks, Coach. Good to hear from me again. All right. See you guys later. All right. I hope so.